Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 62, Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, with Tradigital um, uh, Animation, you know what I mean. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I am your host, Mason Smith, and I am here with Morgan Stradling, the most awesomest cool trainer. The best, basically. I know, I know. And uh, we want to excuse the lovely Chelsea Robson for this episode. She is unavailable, so it's going to be a Mason and Morgan only episode. Double M, M&M. M&M episode, everyone's favorite. <laughs> um yeah, so we are, like like I said, we're the Animation Addicts Podcast. What this show is about is basically, it, it boils down to this premise. We love animation. Uh, we love it so much that we want to sit down and talk about our favorite animated films and also the latest buzz uh, in the animation world. Uh, we talk about what we love about the movies, what we don't like about the movies. Uh, we rate them. We joke about them. We quote from them. And we also talk about uh, animation techniques and the visual arts techniques that we see in these beautiful animated masterpieces that we masterpieces that we review, and so that is basically the show in a nutshell. So if you're a first time listener, welcome. We're the Rotoscopers. Nice to meet you. Hope you stay a while. Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love the Rotoscopers. We um, have been doing this for two years already. In our, I think in one of our last few episodes, it would technically have been our two year anniversary. And we didn't even call attention to it, so this is our two-year party. Just me and Mason, I guess. That's my, my party. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The gang's all here. <laughs> Today we are reviewing the DreamWorks 2002 film Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. This is a continu- uh, continuation of our horses episodes that we've been doing. We're on like a we're on like a ho- equestrian streak here on the podcast. It just sounded is... like a cool thing to do. Hey, I'm not saying it's lame. I'm, it's kind of cool, actually. So last time we handled okay, there's the big three when it comes to horses, right? The big three. The unicorn. Mm-hmm. This time we're covering the no horn, just a regular horse. Ah. Uh. Uh, with Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. And then next time, we'll be doing the elusive Pegasus. Oh, really? There's an animated film with a Pegasus? You're talking about Fantasia, right? Oh, we're going to review Fantasia. Cool. I would love, well, maybe we could do that after, but it's actually Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Pegasus sequence. I'm just going to promote this right now on our next episode, which is our Hercules episode. We Ooh. are going to have a nerdy couch discussion where we talk about Disney horses. So we're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to talk about the Pegasi in Fantasia. We're going to talk mm. about all sorts of horses. Which one's the best? Which one's Maximus. the sassiest? Exactly. <laughs> so get ready, guys. Uh, in, I'm sorry you have to listen to this episode to wait for next episode. But this episode's going to be pretty fun. So let's get right into it. Yeah, totally. If you're a horse and you're listening right now, well, our hats go off to you because you guys are awesome. Right. So this was, like I said, this was in... 2002, and I honestly didn't watch it until I watched it to do the review. Really? Oh, so you're a you're a spirit virgin. Yikes! No uh, yeah, yeah. I guess you could <laughs> say that. <laughs> so 
I had seen this movie when it came out. Um, I was really excited for it. But when you mentioned 2002, I was blown away because I could have sworn this movie was released in the 90s. Dude, from my was, recollection. <laughs> this was advertised as from the matri- makers of Shrek. So uh, this was way into the 3D CG animation phenomenon. Yeah. They're still kicking it. DreamWorks animation. Kicking like horses. <laughs> So just general background info on this movie. It was released May 24th, 2002. Had a budget of 800... <laughs> uh, not 800 million, just $80 million. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a little bit more realistic. Uh, made $122.6 million in the box office. So pretty pretty okay, but nothing spectacular. No Frozen status, that's for sure. Uh, directed by Kelly Asbury and Lorna Cook. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know these people. Kelly Asbury's been kind of all over the place. He um, he was at Disney uh, working as an artist, and then he jumped on as a story artist for Toy Story. And then he kind of had a DreamWorks kick where he was in story for uh, Prince of Egypt, Chicken Run, Shrek. And then he directed Spirit uh, along with um, Lorna Cook. Mm-hmm. And then he... Um, he did directing for Nomeo and Juliet in 2011. That's a good one. And then, yeah, and then he actually did story again for Rec- for Disney, for Wreck-It Ralph and for Rosen. Mm-hmm. So this guy uh, has been everywhere. And um, what I admire most about this guy is that he's from Texas, but the animation stuff is kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. So, okay, then let's talk about the other director, Lorna Cook. So she's been all over the place too. I mean, started way back in the 70s. Hmm. Um, you know, worked on, you know, Small One, Banjo the Woodpile Cat, Secret of Nim, Dragon's Lair, American Tale. So she was clearly on the Don Bluth train for a while. Basically was there, um, you know, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Land Before Time, Rockadoodle, and then transitioned over to Disney. It was on Beauty and the Beast as an animator, Lion King. Um, then kind of had a 10-year gap of not quite sure what, what was going on. Well, okay, she moved on to be a writer for Mulan, Lion King. And most recently was in the animation department, a story artist for Madagascar. So pretty cool stuff there. But since since then, I mean, this was kind of her biggest thing, was directing Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Which I'm, if, if anyone gets the chance to direct an animated film, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, totally. Like, this was a, a bona fide Hollywood animated film, so hats off to them. Speaking of hats... Uh, the score was done by Hans Zimmer, if we're, you know, hats? talking about the music. Actually, it has nothing to do with hats. <laughs> Great segue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Guys, this is what the rotoscopers do best. Incredible segues, segues. tangents, random quotes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You gotta be quick to follow us. Seriously. High um, IQs needed. What'd you think about Hans Zimmer's score? So, I liked this score. Like, from the very... It, it reminded me a lot of Lion King, for obvious reasons. But it didn't necessarily stand out to me. It just felt very, like, homely to me. Not homely, but it felt like home, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Having Living in the West, in the Southwest, um, it just had that, I don't, I don't know, very Americana feeling. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Hans Zimmer in animation, like, he's done, like, he's done a lot of animated films. Lion King comes to mind, you know, totally. very similar. From the day we arrive on the pasture. I think more prominent than Hans Zimmer was our good old Canadian friend, Brian Adams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sings all the songs. Boy, does he ever. It's like, it's like he had to sing every five minutes. I mean, 
Sorry, this is going to be my little Brian Adams rant. If you're Canadian, don't get offended. Um, <laughs> I mean, this—I mean, the film is actually—if you look at it, the film is actually the story of Brian Adams. <laughs> you know, because everything that goes on, it's like, okay, now I'm born in the past year. You know, and then like five minutes, he's like, I'm eating grass in the past, and then it's like, oh no, it's a cougar. Look into my eyes. You know. Da-da-da-da-da. I, I don't get it. I don't get why Brian Adams is, is he supposed to be the um is he supposed to be like the Phil Collins of this? So that's movie? that's what I got. He was supposed to be the DreamWorks equivalent <laughs> of Phil Collins because you know, I'm sure they saw how successful the the Tarzan soundtrack was and it was it was a way to incorporate and make it sort of musical or a and not really it's not a musical, but it's a way to have music, especially popular music that will sell lots of CDs. Uh, without having to really interrupt the story too much. Um, you know, DreamWorks isn't really known for their musicals, so I thought this was tr- trying to play that card in a way. Um, mm. It didn't succeed to me. Like, I liked the songs, but t- <laughs> to be honest, I can't sing you any of the songs. They were all <laughs> variations of the same beat. Well, I just I just sang you all the songs. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Guy with a mustache trying to brand me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, interesting choice. I mean, Gotta Love 2002, even though mm-hmm. he's not really quintessential of 2002. But With it being in 2002, like, this is when they were really getting 2D animation down, and you started seeing these cool hybrids of 2D and 3D animation. It's like all the guys who campa- campaigned for the glory days of 2D animation and hate on 3D animation, and all the people who only know 3D animation because they're young, This is this should be, like, the perfect meeting point for them. Totally. It's like a beautiful artistic truce between 3D and 2D uh, animation. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think the animation is beautiful. No, I I love the animation. I the horses first off stood out. They were incredible. They were beautiful. Um, clearly hand drawn. You know, I think they could have maybe like, oh, let's let's rig all these horses and then kind of do the matting or the painting well, on top of it. But well, some of them were um, some of them were CG. Like not, some the, of the, not the main ones, like Spirit. And, yeah, like not not scenes where they're like close up and showing like real emotion and stuff, but uh-huh. like those those sweeping camera views of, yeah, of, the, of all the horses in the herd. Like that's very Attila from Mulan. You know, it's very wildebeest. <laughs> totally. But it's it's uh, I hate saying this word very seamless how they um, how they blend it all. Yeah, I think they uh, the the CG backgrounds, you know, prop stuff that they were trying to do in the late 90s had evolved significantly from Anastasia. I think of Anastasia, and Anastasia <laughs> tried so hard to do this and to incorporate this new technology, but it, it stands out kind of like a sore thumb. But here, uh, five years later, they got it right, and I think for the most part, it, it is seamless, and it does look like a painted background, and it actually is pretty impressive, except for that eagle at the beginning that looks so fake. What do you got against the eagle? It, it just looks fake. It looks like it's you know mechanically moving its wings up and down. I'm not such a fan. Hmm. What about Sam Eagle <laughs> from the Muppets? <laughs> there are no aliens here. Only hardworking Americans. I don't know. I had to kind of squint to ma- to make sure it wasn't CG or hand drawn. Um, I mean, it's no Zazu fly in on Pride Rock. I think there's some beautiful like it's not 3D layering, but it's where you're basically you know painting a 2D layout on a 3D object, and that's how they got these canyon, you know, these, uh, you know, whoosh through the canyon scenes uh, and sequences and stuff. I think it's cool because the textures on 
like the mountains and the grass, like it's very, it looks like it was painted on with a paintbrush, you know, kind of like what they were trying to do with Tangled. Now you do see parts where it's like you're on a hill and there's no grass poking out of the surface of the hill. It's just painted to look like there's grass, you know? So you can kind of, it's kind of like a gotcha moment there. But at the same time, like, I kind of like that it feels like a painting, you know? Because this reminds me of, like, I don't know, all the all the Western paintings I grew up with around my house and, and around my family's house because I, I, our family collected that kind of stuff. So, yeah, very iconic looking and stuff. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a really pretty film to look at. Um, even though it's been 12 years, I, I think it's aged really well. And watching it, I, I really enjoyed looking at it visually. thought it was nice. Yeah. So here's some fun facts about this Ooh. movie that maybe some people don't know. This is the only traditionally animated film by DreamWorks that has been nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards. Didn't win it. Uh, this was in 2002, so that went to Spirited Away instead, which I, I agree there. But yeah, this is I so agree. good. It's like, oh, man. But that's okay. DreamWorks has so many Oscars of their own, so they're good in that department. Um, so... Regarding the horses and their voices, I guess, uh, no horses actually speak, but the real horses, real horses were recorded for all the audio. So at no time do they bring in any humans to kind of go, or whatever, to make it realistic. (laughs) You should have tried out for that. I know. They would have completely rethought their strategy. And um, I'm, I'm a really good horse artist. It's like it's like you know. Spirit uh, sees the painted mare for the first time, <laughs> and then we hear Morgan. Wee! <laughs> oh, that, that reminds me of um, Ever After, when um, when the other stepsister is at the ball and she's dressed like a horse, and she sees the other guy dressed as a horse. Oh yeah. And he's like, whoa! And she's like, <laughs> and the other guy's like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so freaking funny. Mason, anyway, you're pretty good too. I think both of us should have auditioned for this role. Actually, we should do this entire episode in horsies. <laughs> <laughs> and you can do your uh, Matt Damon voiceover occasionally when needed. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm, I'm I'm a great Matthew Broderick, but I'm not I'm not as good with Matt Damon yet. <laughs> and then the last thing, uh, internally, they referred to this style of this 2D, 3D. It's not really a hybrid. It's just sort of meshing of the worlds as yeah. traditional or not traditional tradigital animation which is a term i've never heard before but i thought I, why hasn't that stuck because tra- tra- it's a tongue twister it's hard to say tradigital oh my gosh tradigital tradigital like a robot is a little easier Tragic, no. Okay. I that does not compute Megatron. Never mind. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, the Tadujita animation is uh, very good in this film. And, you know, I got to hand it to the sound designers for the film because they had to work with nothing but horse sounds, horse sound effects for the communication of the horses. And the occasionally, and the very frequent Brian Adams song to help interpret. <laughs> Yeah. And the Matt Damon voiceover narration. So Yeah, so basically the spirit is voiced by Matt Damon. He's the main character. And what I liked about this movie is there's very few characters. And especially yeah. since he's the only horse that talks per se or has a voiceover, it yeah. kind of it definitely limits um, the character range. Yeah. Um, because his mom's there, and she's obviously a character or a key player. And then there's there's Rain the Pinto, but then all the other horses. It's just they're kind of non-entities because they don't have any speaking roles. And he he really is a lone ranger in that he doesn't really interact. He's a leader. He does his own thing. He goes off and 
you know, definitely is alone in, for the majority yeah. of the film. But yeah, so how do you feel about Matt Damon? Tom Hanks was in talks to do the voiceovers. I'm glad they went with Matt Damon because Matt Damon's kind of more of a youthful voice. You know, he doesn't really play the super wise character uh-huh. in his film, so that it, it it fit. Although. How would you feel, Morgan, and listeners, if there was a cut of this film that didn't have the math, the Matt Damon narration? What if it was just up to the viewer to interpret what the horses were doing and the awesome expressive animation for the horses? That'd be really... And Brian Adams' songs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, wait. So, it does have Brian Adams' songs, but no... Okay. Let's go over no a few spirit. scenarios. Okay. No Matt Damon, Brian Adams, and horses. I think it, I think it'd be good. I don't really think that you needed his narration to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this kind of reminded me of Walking with Dinosaurs, which oh, came yeah. out last year, and it it was a very photorealistic CGI film about dinosaurs. But the dinosaurs all had there were only about three or four that spoke. All the other dinosaurs didn't, but they had these voiceovers in the same way. But the difference was their facial expressions weren't cartoony. They weren't characterized in any way. It was just very how a normal dinosaur would react in real life um, with no expressions, no goofiness, no whatever. And I thought it would have been interesting to see that movie without the goofy dialogue because that dialogue was very goofy. Um, But I think Spirit... I, 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 I see where you're going with this. Spirit could have been taken to the next level if they would have just taken that risk. And not had Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next scenario. No Matt Damon. No Brian Adams. Just the horses. Do you think it could have worked? Uh, no. I think people would have been bored. Yeah. No. You. As much as I, we kind of like bash on this soundtrack and all the, the songs that randomly pop up, they're needed because they're very good. Since he isn't speaking, we need these songs to be his inner monologue and to progress the plot, you know, during key transition scenes. So I think. I think now that I think about it. Brian Adams is completely necessary. I hate to say it, but Brian Adams is necessary here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We hate on Brian Adams. He's probably one of our listeners, and he's like going to go throw himself off a gorge. Sorry, Brian. Well, he'll Um, probably have a fantastical leap over the gorge, you know. Like sing a song, falling off a gorge, (laughs) down to the river. Anyway, I'm not much of a Brian Adams impersonator. Well, let's 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 go th- let's go from the beginning. Okay. I thought that the opening sequence was pretty stunning. You know, of course, you have to capture the majesty of the West and this exciting, awesome, you know, untamed landscape. They do a good job of setting up the Western feel from the very beginning without having to go stereotypical Aaron Copeland. Yeah. Now, there's some there's some ser- there was some serious work done on this opening sequence. It was nicknamed the Homeland Pan by the filmmakers, and it took over nine months to design, hmm. which is crazy. It had a total of over 700 background elements, and on average, they had about 30 layers of artwork for each frame. Yeah, so this is almost right up there with um, Dick Williams's giant layouts for <laughs> The Thief and the Cobbler. Totally. Like, okay, listen to the wording here. It didn't take nine months to produce. It took nine months to design, and so... When you're in the design phase, that's when you're carefully planning out the composition and the goings-on of every element of your animation. And so that type of planning uh, for nine months is just amazing. It's kind of excruciating to think uh, think about, but it really makes you appreciate the handiwork and the craftsmanship of this film. Yeah, it pays off. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, being a 2014 viewer, you can tell that it's CG backgrounds. Like, it yeah. looks good, but it's not 100% seamless. You know, you can't fault them, but it's still very pretty. And that eagle bothers me. Still don't like that eagle. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of cool because he, like, flies up in the air and you see the cloud formations that are horses, mm-hmm. you know? There's a lot of um, there's a lot of allusions to flight, like uh-huh. freedom equals flight, in the film. Interesting. Did you notice it when the eagle was when when Spirit runs under the eagle's shadow and it looks like he has wings yes. on the ground? Yeah, I thought that was Pretty cool. Neat. So we start and he's not born yet, so we go right into Spirit's birth, which is probably one of the first and only times that a horse has given birth in an animated film. Uh, it's it's, <laughs> it's an interesting scene. I I like the maturity that they brought in to bringing that scene because they didn't have to. They could have just said, "Yeah, I'm born. It was great," or whatever. I mean, with this Matthew Broderick esque Matt Damon voice. Seriously, at the beginning, I kept thinking like Simba. <laughs> Imagine if Lion King was narrated like this. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matthew Broderick. I'm my name is Simba, <laughs> and this is when I was born. Ha, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably take away. So that's actually a thing right now. I think Cartoon Brew did an article talking about the This Is Me uh, intro in animated films. And basically, this kind of started with, um, you know, Ratatouille, where you're introduced to the main character, and it's a voiceover, and then there's at one point where you pan to the guy, the main one, and it's like, this is me. Um, They don't do that explicitly here. But I get that impression because he's talking about his life where it's like, hey, now I'm born. Wow, it was great to be a part of the world and see my mom. (laughs) But, yeah, I'll include a link in the show notes. If you haven't seen the film, that's not an actual line. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph had it. Yep. Um, I think Merida had it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Merida. Um, The the, the bear and the bow. Uh, Brave had it. Yeah. And uh, very cool. Wild Thornberries had it. <laughs> okay, so we're not that average. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I was a, like a little. I was like a little. I had to like hold on to my seat. I was like, okay, okay, we got a mommy horse giving birth here. Okay, but yeah, it turned out okay. A perfect time to to actually, it wasn't the perfect time for a cheesy song. I was like, geez, this is the type of cheesy pop song that belongs in the credits of a Disney film. <laughs> what are you doing, DreamWorks? <laughs> Well, they're setting the stage. Now I'm being born in the field, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the the film is very naturalistic. Like it, it's very like you see the ugly side of a baby horse, the milk thing. I didn't like that scene. That bothered me. I'm like, <laughs> okay, this for the most part, this is a very realistic movie, and then you have the baby horse blowing bubbles with the milk, and like, gross. Okay, no, not realistic. I don't like it. So I, I felt like there was a bit, a bit of, there was a bit of stumbles, you know, trying to figure out where they were. Um, I don't know. Do they want to get the kids' attention at the beginning? They're like, oh, this is funny, kids. Don't worry, you're gonna like it. But it then- is. It is. They do have some funny parts, like Spirit uh, versus the icicle. Yeah. Where it gets latched onto him and it, and it breaks off, and it's like he like plays it off that he's just carrying it in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you can – I like it because you can tell that Spirit was a very proud horse from the beginning. And, like, the theme of pride, I think, is very evident in Spirit's character, for better and for worse. Oh, totally. Yeah, you see it, um, like, his dominance in that scene with the buffalo, mm-hmm. where all the other little baby horses, they run away, 
and he's just standing there, and then he looks the big buffalo herd straight in the eyes and isn't even faced. And so right from the very beginning, I think they do a really great job of establishing his character, that he is a leader, he's fearless, he's yeah. dominant, um, you know, and he's he's a part of this world, um, which which I liked because eventually, I mean, he's it, he's meeting all these different animals and whatnot, and soon he meets a creature, the two-legged, whatever he calls it, that's completely different from him, and then he learns to love that too. Yeah, yeah, very cool. They totally skipped over how he became the leader of the Cimarron herd. Like, there was no evil uncle that he had to overthrow, you know, no cougar takeover. (laughs) Cougars in the Pride Lands! (laughs) I like when he's like, I had responsibilities. And, you know, the cougar attacks, and he's like, oh, sorry, spoiler alert, everyone. It's like, (laughs) Spirit's like, circle of life, screw that! (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I'll eat the grass whenever I want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he spirits like walking around with his mom, and he's like, "But, but don't we, don't we eat, the, don't we eat the buffalo? What? Who told you that? We don't eat a buffalo. We eat grass." <laughs> the, I mean, the cougars are like out there, and he's like, "You know, yes, cougar Simba, but let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass, and the horses eat the grass. So, <laughs> you know, this could be this could be Nala's uh, descendants. You know." What? Except not in Africa. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. even that is too far fetched for a Mason conspiracy theory. Yeah, nice try. Yeah, nice well. time. I, I think when they're talking about his dad, and don't they? Doesn't he say like I took over from my dad, or am I making that up? Maybe I'm. Making I don't that think up. so. I took over from my mom. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Typical I... typical orphan in the animated film. <laughs> Seriously, where is the dad in this picture? Okay? Where is he? Where's dad? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm sure the, the, the already already riveting, exciting story of Spirit would have been tarnished by a, a dad, where's dad story, you know? Yeah. What happened to dad? Those are the tough questions. They, they couldn't go that far. Yeah, yeah. So, and so there's all sorts of songs mixed in here. Yeah, you know? yeah, we jump into another song. I don't even know the... I, let's see. I, uh, I Will Always Return, perhaps that's the one. And I was getting very much a I can go the distance vibe from from Hercules in this song. So uh, there's a big mishmash of all sorts of stuff going on. A little bit of Lion King, a little Hercules, little this, little that. And, and I hate and I hate to com- and I hate to make it look like these DreamWorks films should be compared to Disney. But let's face it, Disney's kind of the benchmark with with stuff, you know, with 2D animation because that's what we grew up with personally. So I hope people don't get offended. Well, I mean, DreamWorks I, made a terrific film here. And, yeah, well, and I'm not comparing, saying, like, oh, it's like this that Disney did and this that Disney yeah. did. I just, I'm very familiar with Disney, so those are things that I make analogies with. Yeah. So, you know, DreamWorks does put out a lot of original material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, so anyway. Act, uh, end of Act 1, if you will, um, he sees the campfire in the distance. And the harmonica? Man, sound travels out there. <laughs> and he goes over to explore it, and um, he had plenty of warnings not to do it. Mm-hmm. The horses are like, dude, bro, you see us? It's because of them. Head back now. Um, I love yep. how there's kind of like a contingent, like, I love how there's kind of like an agreement between all horses, you know? If you really watch the film, while the humans are chasing after spirit, the horses kind of like get in the act of stopping the humans, you know? Uh-huh. For what little they can do, you know? And then he even narrates it. A wiser horse would have turned back now. And it was like, I'm like, what's the point then? You were not a wise horse. Basically. <laughs> Obviously not. 
I, yeah, I mean, I understand why this had to be there, you know, because otherwise there would be no story unless he didn't explore the human camp. But I'm like, why would you do this? Not smart. Not smart. Not the He's brain. He's like chomping on the dude's hair. He's like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know who these people are. This could have been the time when they had like repeater rifles and stuff. You would have been full of holes, Horace. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm sure. And I, I like, I like how they're. Re- I like that the humans weren't too far-fetched, you know? Yeah. It's a beautiful stallion. They want to... They are in the business of taming the Wild West, whether you like it or not, folks. And they're going to... By gosh, they're going to break this this beautiful horse, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know how expensive horses are when you get a free one that's just walking into your camp? Yeah. I try to catch it, too. I'm glad there's no, like, Clayton-like villain who's like, rapping, flashing, varmint, I'm going to shoot all the horses, you know? It's like, that's so stupid if they had put that in there. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, they did a good job that the villain, so the villain was really just civilization, human civilization in general, kind of taking over their lands rather than one person, you know, in Home on the Range, like the one guy who's trying to take all the land so no one has anymore. It was more just like, civilization is occurring and happening and it's, the West is being developed and uh, yeah, you're lo- going to lose your land. What, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. So it's a mature look on, on this whole manifest destiny thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, I, I like that DreamWorks didn't try to make a, like a, a statement about it. You know, they didn't go too extreme with it. I mean, it's a classic conflict. You are a wild animal having a great time in your own you know, in your own place, that's yours, that you that to you doesn't belong to anyone, and here come people who think that it belongs to them. There's the conflict, you know, I like it. I wouldn't call the Colonel guy, um, Colonel Mustache dude, a <laughs> villain, but he's definitely an antagonist, and there are definitely forces working against Spirit. Yeah. From within and without. So, yeah. And then there's another song somewhere in there. Although, I okay, I do love the song where they're taking, where, okay, so they do capture him, you know. They yeah. capture him. They bring him to the fort. I love the I love the montage of them bringing him to the fort, like that lightning strike yes. in, the, in the sky. My gosh, and these these beautiful beautiful shots. You know, everything's very like Monument Valley in Utah. You know, very um, majestic. Very maj- majestic, <laughs> lovable. <laughs> yes, yes, cuddly. Um, oh, that's me to a T. Um, yeah, so it's very beautiful. So that song during this part. Um, you know, I'm just looking at the track list, and I'm going to make a wild guess that the song during this part is called You Can't Take Me. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, don't tell me, but I'm going to try to guess how many how many Brian Adams songs are on the official soundtrack. Right now? Yeah. Okay. Eight. There are eight Brian Adams songs in the film, counting, you know, reprises and... Ten. There's ten? <laughs> but that's ten that he wrote. I don't necessarily know if it's ten that he sang. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe our maybe our diehard spirit uh fans will correct us. Probably. Um <laughs> let us know on the social media, but um it's a lot. That is a lot. It's a lot of Brian Adams folks. I mean that's more Brian Adams than you're gonna hear in like three steak youth dances. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of cheesy songs. I like um I like it's very um it's very like he's in he's being drafted now. Like he's being put to military work. So of course they give him the short haircut. I know. I was thinking that. I was like, is this necessary? I you love know, it. He's, but like, then... he's like, come on man, don't touch the hair, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, he's like a wild free spirit and they're they're taming him, you know. I mean, would you cut Tarzan's hair? Would you try? Oh, Tarzan cutting Tarzan's hair is like 
cutting Samson's hair. You just don't do it. Oh my gosh. It's the source of his man-gorilla hybrid powers. Totally. That's why he's such a good skateboarder on the trees. <laughs> this is, okay, this is the part where I started seeing, like, where I started having these, like, eh moments with the with the animation. I watched it in HD. Thanks to, oh, you know. lucky you. Well, you know. <laughs> Were some of the extras in the fort CG? Did you notice that? The people? Yeah. Just, like, dudes in the background. Some I didn't an- notice that. Some of their animation was way too smooth, and it didn't match. You know? Hmm, that's interesting. Well, yeah, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot because we're doing character animation. When you're animating on a computer, unless you tell the computer not to, it's going to interpolate your key your key poses. In, in layman's terms, it means it's going to mathematically calculate it all the, calculate all the in between frames yeah. between your key poses. So it's going to be near. It's going not going to be perfect, but it's going to be very fluid, very mathematical. Yeah. And mm. when you're hand animating, you kind of it's not you're guessing, but you're like, okay, this looks good. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And so I thought I, I, I thought I saw some CG militiamen in the fort, just in the background, you know. But there's some times when it really stood out and it really bothered me. I wish I could talk to some animators from this film and be like, is that, was that what happened there? <laughs> well, okay, kind of going off this, this train of thought. One thing that drives me insane nowadays is motion blur. Do you know mm. of motion blur? Some people don't even know about it. And I'm like, how yes. can you not see this? So motion blur, for those who don't know, on new HDTVs, and if you go to Best Buy and you go look at the TVs at the, there, um, it has this, this automatic thing that blurs the frames into each other. So it looks very smooth. It looks great on sports. You know, if you're watching a football game, but on syndicated shows, movies, and especially animation, it looks horrible. I mean, it makes really? it sort of look like a soap opera because the frame rate's so high. Everything's mm-hmm. just, like, too realistic. And then on animation, it just looks so cheap because yeah. it loses all of the, you know, the artistry that was put into, okay, yeah, I choose what the next frame is, not a computer choosing for me. So mm. whenever, like, seriously, my husband for him because whenever I go into a store and or someone's house and there was motion blur on their TV I go crazy internally and then I find the remote and I turn it off for them <laughs> if it's like a family member or something and I know they don't know better but like I, I am on a personal quest to ban the auto motion blur because I think I it ruins animation maybe okay you're not talking about like modern animation including motion blur no. like I do in my assignments you're talking about an actual TV that does automatically like, does it yeah. oh my gosh yeah. I wonder if our TV does it we could be a victim yes you probably in our own are. home yes oh you're gosh. like I didn't why does it why do I feel like I'm watching so many soap operas well, that's why anyways facts of spirit but anyways I wanted the I wanted the listeners to know about the problem and the epidemic of motion blur because it drives me batty you know what we uh, batty, <laughs> very Harry Potter, nice one. Um, you know what we should do? We should get on the YouTube on the YouTube channel and do a public service announcement, <laughs> <laughs> campaigning against the included frame rate blur. I would ho- totally do that. I'll gladly volunteer. It, it is it is funny watching breaks uh, frame by frame breakdowns of twenty four frame um, animation. Like, we had a guy who um, animated stuff from uh, the Bowler Hat Guy scenes from Meet the Robinsons, or some of them. A guy named Jay Davis. He was at Disney. Yeah. And he showed us frame by frame. And there's these parts where Bowler Hat Guy stretches so 
so stretchy like and he moves so fast that the frame by frame is actually like you you see it and you're like how did that even work in theaters and then he plays the whole thing and it's like whoa the illusion of life animation magic what but yeah okay i i, I get what you're saying now about these tvs in fact i'm gonna check my tv and I don't think we have it on our TV. I hope you don't. Because we watch on on quote unquote Super HD on Netflix, yeah. which is a great resource for for movies. You get a free trial through our Netflix affiliate link, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't think that's there. But I do know what you're talking about. I think even when I watch Blu-rays on my Blu-ray player, I don't even see it. So I think I'm unaffected. I don't have this blurred frame rate virus. Anyway, well, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, this is this is a part of the film where Spirit really shows his stubbornness. Oh yeah. It, you know, and the colonel knows exactly what to do with him. <laughs> Tie him up, cut his hair, put him in line. You know. Yeah. Well, then they bring in this blacksmith to you know make him a decent little horse, get in line. So he's supposed to put the horseshoes on him, and then you know Spirit's really funny here and very clever in that every. He outwits the blacksmith at every turn, you know, and then so the blacksmith is like, fine, if you're going to hit me in the head with your leg, I'm going to tie up your leg. And then <laughs> then Spirit thinks of something different to do, to hit Nonk him on the head, to conk him on the head and whatnot. It's it's great. This is uh, Watching this is like watching every Godzilla film because that's exactly how <laughs> the military reacts to Godzilla. First, they start with rifles. Then when that doesn't work, they start with tanks. Then when that doesn't work, they use planes. Nice. I wish they'd just go for the nuke every time <laughs> from the first time. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I really like this. First of all, um, you can see it in Spirit's face that he's onto the blacksmith and that he's going to outsmart him. Mm-hmm. It, it's so it's, – it's really funny. I really like that sequence. Uh, this is also my worst nightmare is walking behind a horse or getting anywhere near a horse and having it hit me in the face with its hind legs. Nightmare. My gosh! Yeah, no, no, no. No kidding. This is where uh, cartoon violence kind of fudges reality a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, even though this is more of a naturalistic movie. Um, th- getting kicked by a horse is really is really painful. <laughs> totally. <Mm-mm>. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so they're proceeding to get this horse with a good old fashioned rodeo because that's how you break a horse. <laughs> I was like, what happened? What about the thing where you tie him to the pole and you just walk around, walk him around in circles? And the colonel's like, no, we're gonna rough ride this thing. Rough <laughs> <laughs> environment. Yeah. So this is where so we, we hear yeah, the song. Get off my back. So this is yeah, this is where we hear the song Get Off of My Back, which very appropriately <laughs> tells us what we already know at this point. Spirit's not having <laughs> it, he wants to get the people off. But why not do it in song? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um it, it it's really funny. Everybody everybody gets on this horse. I wouldn't I is the colonel forcing people to get on this horse or no, is he I, like, "Hey, anyone who wants to try?" Yeah, that's how I think it's like and, and everyone's like, "I can do it. Oh, come on, oh, I'm better no, than him." No. <laughs> yeah, cuz they they're just these oblivious guys who're just like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." Yeah, first they're like, "Oh, you'll all try it." And then they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> and the colonel's like, "Stand back. I'm going to ride this horse." I should have done voices for this film. For real. And, and he voices. manages... Golly, that guy gets knocked around. He, like, gets slammed up against the corral a bunch of times, and in the end, he, he kind of kind of breaks him. Yeah. You know, he's humbled. He's humiliated. It's them spurs, man. Totally. The spurs are unstoppable. And, yes, I am talking about the basketball team. Um, and, and the spurs in real life. So, yeah, it, it does work out. And then... Um, he still gets the post. Yeah. You know. Yep. The post. 
I mean, that's the way to do it. We're gonna, I'm going to starve you. I'm going to dehydrate <laughs> you. And then I'm going to show who's the stronger man. It's like, okay, well, yeah, yeah of course you're going to win that one. Yeah. So yeah. This, then they bring in Little Creek. Ah, Little Creek. I love. He's awesome. Yeah, he's great. Down on his luck, got captured by the white man. He Does he talk and, at all? Yeah, he does. Okay, he talks a little bit, yeah. Little Creek, he talks all the time. He talks to the spirit. Okay, I just can't remember. Um, Little Creek is very, is very clever. He's, uh, I think he's pretty cool. Well, from right from the very beginning, you, they kind of eye each other, and Spirits doesn't really know what to make of him, except for he's, he internally is saying, oh, something different about him. But you can kind of tell, like, all right, these two are going to pair up. They just set it up perfectly where there's kind of no question. I mean, I mean, they're on the DVD cover. Totally. To each other. <laughs> okay, can I just say that the DVD cover for this film is horrible? Who's the, why is the colonel in the clouds like Mufasa style staring <laughs> down on everyone? And he doesn't even look sinister. He's just like, yep, I'm the colonel back here. Because they had to put me uh, put an antagonist on the DVD box. I did not notice that, but you're so right. Google it. Okay, explain to me, how did where did the knife come from so that he cut he, himself loose? So when it was nighttime, he started kind of making these howling noises to the moon. And everyone just assumes that he's a weirdo and he's making all these animal noises. But what he really was doing is he was calling his friends and letting them know where he was so they could throw him the knife. And that's why when they run, when he escapes later with Spirit, they're like right there. Oh, okay. Okay, his buddies are there. Okay, yeah. I missed that part. Okay, that makes sense. I thought he, he just had like cool knife summoning powers. That too. I mean, you can take whatever interpretation you want. Mm-hmm. It's like Ragnarok from Final Fantasy. Knife. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they get out, and I, I love this uh, closure at the end. The blacksmith is, like, last last stand against Spirit blocking the fort doors. Oh, I know. Spirit just stops in front of him, looks him in the eye, kicks him out of the yeah. way. And you, you know where this is going to go. I mean, it's 10 points Spirit, 0 points blacksmith. It's, he's not going to win this last one. So yeah. I just I start wincing once I see him. I'm like, oh, don't be dumb. Just get out of the way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love I love the turn of events in the film at this point. It's like Spirit's like, yeah, yeah, he set me free, he set me free. What are you? Why are you putting a bridle on me? Oh, I know. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Indian's like, you little uh, no, I want this horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so when Little Creek is when they're doing their big escape, I was impressed with his skills. Um, you know, hmm. he, he grabs onto the horse and he's kind of riding alongside him. But then he does that for, like, two minutes where he's just hanging on the side of the horse. I kept thinking, okay, use those little muscles of yours and pull yourself up. But, yeah. like, he just sits there. I'm like, I think you would have fallen. I'm, I'm, I hate to say it. Yeah, yeah, very impressive. Very Legolas. I know. he. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like he's just like break dances around the horse, you know, like you know Legolas style. He just, <laughs> yeah, I I think Little Creek is cool. He does have a plan to ride. He also wants to break him, but not Colonel style. You know, he you know he's does it with with love and understanding. Although his buddies are like, "Ew, this is not going to work." Oh, and also during the Great Escape, we are introduced to the Painted Mare. Okay, anyone who's ever ridden horses, the girls always want the painted horse. <laughs> that is the horse. Because they Chelsea are beautiful. Had. Really? Chelsea had a pinto and um, kind of basically looked like that horse. 
Her her horse was named Nud. N U D. Nud. And this was my idea. I helped name this horse because the horse, the the pinto, the the spots on it formed an N. So we're like, oh, we have to name it something with an N. So I started thinking of all these names. I'm like, you should name it Narcissus, you know, from Greek mythology. And so she kind of went with that, and she named it because the horse was very stubborn and, and into itself, sort of like Narcissus. Mm-hmm, okay. And so uh, we named it Narcissus, the letter U for you, and then Dork, N-U-D. Mm. Really lame, but really hilarious. <laughs> very well, very well. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and so um, he kind of gets to, he like kind of goes out with her, thinking well, he thinks that he's going to escape. And yeah. this part is hilarious because Spirit's face, while he's like, you don't want to escape? Mm-hmm. She's like, nope. And he's like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and this is another instance where you don't need dialogue. You get oh, it's, exactly it's, it's, what's happening without it. It's perfect without dialogue. Like, I, li- I love his face where he's like, you live here with these people? It's like, what is your problem? Yeah. You know, and there's the Matt Damon voiceover. He's like, yeah, she was growing on me, even though she was, like, horribly stubborn and annoying. I was like, ah, it starts. (laughs) It starts. It starts. You think you know a guy. And then he gets some, you know, he gets some time with uh, Little Creek. And then there's that part where he's like, yep, come on. You can put the blanket on me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this magical moment. He's like, oh, finally, I get to ride the horse. And then he gets on and he just bucks him off. Such a jerk. Oh, it's so great. So great. I like him. You you, you love spirit at this point. If if you didn't already, you're like, ah, see? You're getting back at him. You thought he was your friend. You thought he was letting you free. Mm -mm. Yes. Now you're getting back. Yeah, and then eventually, yeah, and then then Little Creek is like, ah, you know. This is a lost cause. You're a great horse. Get out of here. Well, yeah, and then so he runs, and then he sees, you know, this Pinto's awesome, by the way. It doesn't run away. Very obedient. And then you have this interaction, which basically the looks that, you know, he gives her is the run away with me. Ooh. You know, the very classic, let's escape together. By spirit, run away with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forget the rest of Ariel's line. But that's, like, really, that's how I would describe the scene, just based on their emotions and or their reactions. It's great. But, of course, she's yeah. like, no, no. She's like, but apples. Yeah. <laughs> and an extra bucket of oats. Yeah. And a couple of mm-hmm. carrots. Maybe a few carrots. <laughs> See, what's what's uh, Prince Philip's horse name? Samson, speaking of. Ah, Samson. Samson Maximus. Ah, such mighty horse names. Mm-hmm. Get ready yeah. for our discussion next week. Going to be well, awesome. Uh, well, uh, We're going to do a, a wizard's duel, I think, with with Disney horses. A wizard's duel? Oh, a horse's forcing duel. these poor creatures forcing these poor creatures to fight. <laughs> Simply barbaric. Go Rapidash! Go! <laughs> the, okay, so what happens at this point? He runs off and she's like, you know, me stay, no follow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then all heck breaks loose. Yeah, then the, the army you know, starts I thought, you know, I, You know, I thought the colonel was just like a hard A. But no, he likes he likes going around and, and destroying Indian villages. Oh yeah, for fun. Totally for fun. No, I mean that's their job is to conquer the West, and so yeah. you know they we need this land, and you're sitting on it. So 
we so will take out. it. This is ours. <laughs> Here first. No, you weren't. Well, we're going to rewrite with history books. <laughs> anyway. Well, you yeah. know, and then they end up in the water and, of course, tumbling down a waterfall, which these always you bother know, me. There's no way. There's no way you can fall off a waterfall and live. There's I mean, no way you can far, fall off a, a, a cliff twice in one movie and live. <sighs> I know. I'm like, I mean, what is this? Lone survivor? Like, this guy has got to take some injuries from these from these falls. I thought that she was dead. I, did I too. thought that the story would have been just fine if Rain was dead. At I, this point. I agree. I think it would have been a little deeper, a little bit more serious. It would, it, you know, veering definitely into Lion King territory. You know, at this moment, I was yeah. sad, but I wasn't Mufasa sad. I don't think they've yeah. done a good enough job at this point to really make then, me care. And then the Colonel her. walks up. It. <laughs> Yeah, and then the colonel walks out, and he's like, Spirit, what have you done? It was an accident. <laughs> what would your mother say? <laughs> what should I do? Bobby. Run away, Spirit. Run away and never return. I'm sure that came up in the story development process. but uh... and, th- and then that guy got fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. It worked for The Lion King. The Lion King's the best movie ever. But we can't reuse The Lion King. Oh. What are we supposed to do? Kill the horses? <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I'll admit that your powers are attention. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Or as wet. Wet as a Brahma's backside. <laughs> I love it. It's a Western version of The Lion King. <laughs> it's not. It's not. This is a good movie. Sorry. No, yeah. It's, it's pretty rich. It's very original. And then they capture him. He's his spirit is almost broken at this point. And then we get this beautiful Brian Adams song accompaniment with this uh, awesome montage of him being carried away mm-hmm. to the railroad. And boy, those particle effects! <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Um, yeah. So that's 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 when you have particles, three D particles, and you composite them into the environment. But I like the snow, snow effects. Not only do they have these like visions of horses but they have visions of snow horses mm-hmm. very rare breed i thought this was a cool part at, at this point i was watching the film i was like okay I'm, I'm trying hard to be interested because the there's some stuff going on with the story that i don't like you know this plot needs to move but um i thought this was a beautiful sequence the train no, the, oh, when he's right on the before. train. Okay. Yeah, because once they hit the train and then he's starting, you know, he becomes basically like a pack mule. Yeah. This is where it really slows down for me, and I always just don't like this scene. I don't know why. I've just always never really been to it. But it shows how passionate he is about his home, uh, yeah. enough to pretend he's dead and sort of fire, start a forest fire and explosion and <laughs> basically make it so he won't oh have a gosh. home. gosh. Do not make this horse angry. I mean, he's like the Bruce Willis diehard Kiefer Sutherland of horses. Like, he, he he blew up a locomotive and caused a giant forest fire. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The the cook in the background is like, I told you this convoy is cursed. <laughs> it ends with another cliff diving scene, basically. What happened to the horses that, that – yeah, I know. What happened to the horses that were part of his little horse rebellion? Uh, they... Did they get burnt? <laughs> Did they die in the forest fire that Spirit oh. started? Did we see them running away, or we just assumed they were? Still, uh, I think still they just run the away. train. They just run away, you know. Well, they leave. Well, we we assume that they're okay since they're horses. You know, they know what's best. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, but then again, with the cliff diving. Enough with the cliff diving. It's very annoying. I mean, Mother <laughs> Gothel. I'm like, really? We already did this. It, it kind of bothered me that they went with the cliff diving scenario again. Well, the the cliff the cliff jump cliff dive is a quintessential plot element where you're basically, you know, rushing rushing the audience with a ton of excitement, and then it's like, okay, now we're in a completely new mindset, completely new location. It's like it's like this like randomizing event that just changes everything. Yeah. You know, because after every waterfall, it's like, oh, everything's calm. You know, the music is, you know, and then everything is kind of new and fresh because usually someone dies or usually they're like, great, now we're wet. Now we have to start all over, you know, very, you know, (laughs) a la, oh my gosh, so many kitties died. Um, Don't even get me started on Milo and Otis. I'm not an animal activist, but I mean, come on, people. There were better ways. Um, Yeah, they do that. And then um, Emperor's New Groove. You yeah. know, it's 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 a big plot changer, and I wouldn't say it's cheap, but they do use it a lot. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, see- oh, we we forgot about who saved Spirit is uh is Little Creek. Follow yeah. the railroad tracks all the way down to the junction. Yeehaw! Well, that's where they sort of bond. Well, that's where you know finally Spirit. That's where gets the in. <laughs> that's where the circle of trust is complete. <laughs> Well, and then speaking of reused plot points, you know, they go back as they're escaping because, you know, the army shows up again. The militia. Holy cow. When That colonel does not know when to quit. Doesn't he, doesn't the colonel have anything better to do? No. And it's not that he's going after Spirit. It's just Spirit happens to be showing up everywhere. It's like, if I were the colonel and I saw Spirit after what he did to the fort, I would just say... Turn the other way, boys. Guys, back away slowly. Let's not touch this. Do not screw with this horse. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know who they want to kill. I don't know if they want to if they're shooting at Spirit or if they're shooting at Little Creek, but they're shooting at him. So we get this this cool. So we, yeah, so we get this rising action. You know, very very um, very end of the second act, um, coming into your third act. Um, very you know, you got your rising action with this cool chase scene. You know, more CG canyons. Um, I like that it was the right the militiaman's horse that made him bonk his head on the rock. Uh-huh. You know, so it's like they're getting a little extra help from the horses who are like, okay, I've had enough of this running after this horse. <laughs> I am yeah. not going to be collateral damage in this psychopath colonel's scheme. <laughs> <laughs> well, the horses are sort of always on the horse's side. They just yeah. kind of can't do any better. But there are moments, like, like you said earlier, where they sort of are like, yay, you can do it, spirit. We don't want you to be like us. Go spirit, go spirit, go spirit. The the action rises with the geographical altitude <laughs> of the film because I don't know how they clambered up there, but they are literally on top of a huge of, of this super tall plateau, nowhere to go. Dudes are shooting at them, and then it, you get this awesome moment. Oh no! Oh yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Homer skating down the ravine in The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> the big it's like jump. A, it's like the Maximus jump on Tangled. Exactly. How many more of these can we think of? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, let's see. I don't know. You know, it's it's the classic... You know, the... Will he make it? Oh, Will he make it? Oh, my gosh. Woo! Yeah, Woody saves the day again. I like... Okay, and this is the part that... I, this is one of the funnest moments of the film. They, like, look back, and the militiaman's about to shoot at him again, you know, clear shot, and the colonel's like, uh, you know what? I'm done here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done here. Surrender. Horse, 
Well played, horse. Let's go do some real things, like fight this whole Mexican war we're in, you know? <laughs> or, uh, you know, fight the Confederates, you know, like our real job. Well, um, yeah, and then, you know, as he's parting ways, and to give, you know, the signal of surrender, I mean, he gives the nod. The nod. How many times do you get the nod? <laughs> it is a huge honor to get the nod from this colonel. Mm-hmm. The last so, person he gave the nod to was Abraham Lincoln. It sort of signifies, like, you're all right, kid. Yeah, you go, Spirit. So I like it because it because it brings him back down from this like from this like why is he trying to shoot the horse to you know okay he this guy's got a limit he's got a breaking point yeah you know <laughs> there's still hope for the union I'm glad he didn't turn into this whole you know you varmint I'm gonna kill your whole family you know yeah he's not like I could use a challenge after uh, after all after I'm through with you capturing your family will be all too easy you know he doesn't go all Clayton on him thank goodness. There's no there's no Disney villain falling death for the colonel. <laughs> so yeah, I respect that. Well yeah, played. Yeah, it wasn't needed. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So, let me go back. And and did you think at this point that Spirit was going to, you know, accept this life with with Little Creek? I didn't know what to think. They they were best buds now because yeah. they got that awesome bro like yeah we did it woohoo you know chest bump. after their yeah just fist bump you know hoo, 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 hoo. I didn't know what was gonna happen there was a part at the end where Little Creek is like well I guess this is goodbye I thought he <laughs> was gonna run off with Spirit and just leave his tribe <laughs> then I don't know I don't know how he would have eaten yeah or yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, then we see Rain, which is unexpected yeah. to me. I didn't oh, expect yeah. her to be walking up. Yeah. Because um, they really let you know, or they, they try to emphasize that she's dead. They have the colonel say, oh, forget the mayor. You know, she's forget not the mayor. She's not anyway. going to last long anyway. Ding! You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but so, yeah, good job, Rain. He pulled through. <laughs> and now Spirit gets his love interest. And he, so, okay, here's how it happens in the end. He goes off with Rain. It's 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 suddenly understood that Rain is with Spirit now, and so Little Creek is like, "Great, now I'm w- totally without two horses." <laughs> um, <laughs> the rest of his tribe is like, "Well, you know the rules. You got to run from now on." <laughs> um, <laughs> huh? Anyway, um, and so Rain goes back with Spirit to his herd. Is this okay? Is this an okay thing? Um, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, she's not a purebred. She's a pinto. Oh, so, filthy little mudblood. Totally. She's going to ruin the herd. She's going to dilute <laughs> the bloodline. You know, she's they're not going to be purebreds anymore. And I'm a, I'm a, when it comes to horses, I'm about purebreds. What a Slytherin. I know. What, how, I what house are you, Morgan? I just tell Gryffindor. Them and I really wanted Slytherin when I, took, when I got sorted in Pottermore. Uh. But... I was Gryffindor, and I'm like, oh, man. Because <laughs> oh, I, I finally, like, after all these years, it was, like, only after the Harry Potter se- Harry Potter series had ended that I was like, you know what? You know, seeks power, you know, really yep. motivated. Like, I, I'm okay Check. with Slytherin, you know? And then, yeah, it was Gryffindor, and I'm like, oh, man, courageous. That's all right. You and me can be buddies. <laughs> nice. You and me can be buddies. I'm a Gryffindor through and through. Woo-hoo. In fact, I took the, um, oh, passive dominant... You know what, what's that? What's that? Um, what's that personality gauge? It's a real famous one. Uh, Myers Briggs, no. 
Yeah, Myers-Briggs. They had a Myers-Briggs adapted to Harry Potter characters, and I got Ron Weasley. Uh-huh. Which I'm totally fine with. Totally Definitely. fine with. Yeah. And uh, I don't know I don't know what my what channel would be, my wife. I think she'd be like a Ravencraw, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, wherever the hipsters go in Hogwarts. <laughs> nice. She's a really hot hipster, and she's amazing, but, um, you know, definitely not a Gryffindor. That's okay. The ending's good. I, I, I don't I know. Thought they, they... They could have been a, there should have been a sequel where they just decide to overthrow this whole rain thing, and they chase her out of the hood, out of the herd, you know, whipping her ankles with with a with a wicker with a wicker uh, stick, you know, unclean, unclean. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. um, In an alternate there, universe. Some, yeah, there are some fan um, fan posters for Stallion Spirit of the Cinnamon Two, but uh, it just I don't. There's no sequel. Are they gonna there, have... was a, there was a game. There was a Game Boy Advance video game. No. Yeah, it was like this weird cross between like Turok and um, I don't know the parts on Zelda where you ride your horse. <laughs> so yeah, I, if there were a sequel, and it would it'd be like you know Lady and the Tramp two sequel or whatever. <laughs> you know how well, usually in these movies when like two different breeds have babies, it's two like in worlds. Lady, it's like in Lady and the it's like in Lady and the Tramp where like half of them look like. Oh, scam. Completely one of the animals. And the <laughs> other half of the litter looks like the other. There's no mix. There's no... It's like, oh, we had... Oh, looky. Oh, goody. We got three purebred Cocker Spaniels and two baby tramps. Perfect. <laughs> I feel like if they were to do that with this, that that's what it would be. You'd show a family photo of Spirit and Rain, and it'd be like three Pinto, two purebred... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, I really liked the ending. Like, I thought it was very satisfying. Um, you know, a lot of emotion led up to it. There wasn't any. There were very little dialogue. It wasn't needed. I wish more animated films would realize that you don't need heavy dialogue. You don't need to be chatty. You don't need to be noisy. I mean, you just can be quiet, and we get it. And it's a better film sometimes as a result. Yeah. Yeah. So. I agree. I agree. There, there doesn't need to be the animated character dance party at the end of your animated <laughs> film. Oh, the nut job. Well, not just the nut job. <laughs> Everybody has one. Yeah. Everyone did it. Yeah. Um, starting from Shrek to, to, um, to you know whatever. Everybody had to do it. Um, so. So anyway. Why do you think there's so much noise in U.S. animation? Like, why do they have to talk so much? Because we're Americans and we love explosions. <laughs> hey, I know a lot. I love explosions. Uh, let's see. You know, I don't know. You know, we, we've talked about uh, Miyazaki's films and how the story and the pacing is just so different and refreshing from animated films. I feel like there are some animated films that aren't very chatty. Ice Age is one of them. Uh-huh. Ice Age has a lot of scenes and moments where you really get to reflect on what's going on. Yeah. At least, the, at least the first one, the golden one, you know. Mm-hmm. Always the original, Gen Warner. There's some, there's some Disney films, you know. Uh, you know, Pixar, uh, you know, did am- amazing things with Wall-E. Um, the whole first half of the film, basically. Mm-hmm. But I think it all boils down to, and, and this is a, this is a good thing to bring up, you know, since the Academy Awards just ended. Um, it boils down to this stigma of animation being for kids. Yeah. Like these are kids show. Have, have you have you read that article? That supposed article where they interview um, the, quoting Academy Awards judges and they're like, "Yeah, uh, when it comes to animation like that's like 6-year-old stuff. Um Aww. I don't really care. I haven't that's really sad. seen any of these films." That. 
Yeah, I don't know if it's real or not. I, I just saw it today, and I'm yet to do re- further research on it, uh, which one should always do. You know, never never take anything on the internet at face value, except for the rotoscopers. We're awesome. <laughs> I think it comes down to um, the industry of animation in the U.S. and how it – I don't know how I should put this. How it is an art form, but it's an industrialized art form. Yeah. I, I love it for it. Because that means jobs, that means <laughs> opportunity for artists, that means um, collaboration of artists to produce something amazing, um, something that will um, that will inspire a lot of audiences and have a lot of reach. But I think it still has the stigma of like, oh, it's a kids' film, so it needs this. It needs in-your-face wacky characters. It needs it needs snappy dialogue for uh, for the adults. You know, and it's something that will hold kids' attention so that they don't walk out of our theater and so we, you know, so we can sell tickets. Yeah. I, I hate to be pessimistic, but I think because animation is a business and we're in, and they're in the business of reaching as many people as possible, that you get stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And so this is a film that really takes its time, that you really have to watch and pay attention. It, it requires a high level of participation on part of the viewer. Yeah. Yeah, you can't zone out in the middle of this movie. <laughs> yeah, so that's like my... Philosophy of film and animation. Like I don't pretend to be like a quote unquote cinephile. I hate that term, and I don't necessarily. I don't. Ne- I don't know everything about animation. I'm still learning, but um, I think that's. I think that's. That's what the big difference. Nice. And not to say that all American and Western animation is is like that. Obviously, it's not. But you do. You do see more of it here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go into our listener Twitter question. We asked. Mm. What would you rate Spirit and why? Okay. Do you want to read these ones? Yeah. Um, Thomas Blaylock at Spongy444 says, uh, B+. Plus. It's flawed, uh, but the really good things make up uh, make up for it. Plus, I respect what it's trying to do. Very good. Uh, Michael Howie um, says, I may have to weigh in on this. I wanted Prince of Egypt meets Bambi, but DreamWorks seemed to chicken out. I don't know if that's a pun for chicken run or, <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm just kidding michael uh good point um there really could have been there, there really could have been kind of a spiritual journey kind of thing that's going on but instead it's just kind of a journey yeah. told through the eyes of a horse okay okay ben arose a rotoscopers regular says four out of five i've loved this film since i was little the animation is stunning i agree and is an absolute feast for the eyes Mm-hmm. I feel as though there could have been a little more of a tighter story, but nothing will keep me from loving this movie and Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, Ben. Very cool. Lauren Scott says, uh, Spirit is fantastic and so underrated. I agree. The animation quality blending of 2D and 3D techniques and the Hans Zimmer official soundtrack are immense. Run free. One of the greatest pieces of music ever. Period. I'm sorry. I can't remember which one was run free. Sorry, Lauren. <laughs> We'll have to look it up. We'll include Run Free in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. We got a user, Twitter user named Gnu at uh, Marcel Vieira. It says, four out of five, it's a great movie. Spirit is such a great character. I was seven when the movie came out, so there's probably some nostalgia in, in my opinion. But it was so beautiful. I spent days asking for a horse for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, uh, we have... Our friend Trish, she tweets, Now wait, we Canadians have apologized for Brian Adams on numerous occasions. <laughs> That's a South Park quote. Very good. Um, 
And then she goes on to say, seriously, Spirit is the best looking bad animated feature film I have ever seen. Aww. Aww. <laughs> so that's going too far, Trish. It's not bad. It's just not as good. <laughs> but I see what you mean there. Uh, I think when it comes down to it, Spirit is um, subpar in the story depart- in the story area. Um, but it looks uh, great. They successfully told a story through the animation, which is which is always Impressive. good. Yep. Here we go. David Kang at the end. Uh, friends with Liu Kang, I hope. Oh, no, good. Um, that's all Street Fighter, not Mortal Kombat. Anyway, three out of five. Music and the songs from Spirit is so good. Somewhat like Tarzan. I also agree. I love the song Here I Am and Get Off My Back. All right, let's move on. Okay, so what would you rate it? All, okay, all jokes aside... Uh, when it comes down to it, uh, Spirit, Stallion of the Cinnamon, uh, and its tradigital anima- animation has brilliant animation. Like, it's br- it's very well animated. Like I said, this is the era when um, when they really got 2D down, and they were really starting to get the whole blend 2D and 3D right. So it has really good animation. I thought that the plot, while cohesive wasn't strong or engaging for me as a viewer. So I'm going to do three out of five stars just because the animation is really, really good. And, um, but I didn't, I didn't, the story was entertaining, but I didn't feel like I wasn't engaged in it. Yeah. In fact, actually there, there's a point where I kind of like didn't doze off, but I kind of like my mind wandered from the film and that's never a good thing. So I really so, like, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So this is a good film. Three out of five stars. But it, it, it does have problems. So I really liked this movie. I had not seen this movie since originally seeing it in theaters way back in 2002. Um, it was a solid film. Very enjoyable. I was very, unlike Mason, I, I was, for the most part, very interested in the plot and what was going on. I love Spirit as a character. I thought he was really strong. Um, just really cool that they, they took that leap. <laughs> Get it? They took the leap and they, they didn't overly use dialogue in this movie. For the most part, it's very quiet. Uh, vocally, you have, of course, the incredible Brian Adams, which, as we were talking about, you couldn't do this movie without him. If you took that away, it would be too quiet. Um, so I really liked that. It, it was mature, yet jovial, uh, and just a new twist on on a story that maybe we hadn't seen before. It felt fresh. So for those reasons, I'm giving it four out of five stars. Woohoo! Okay, so now we are going to do our voicemail and mailbag segment. So these were people who called into our voicemail hotline and also sent us an email at contact at rotoscopers.com. That's our new email address, in case you don't know. You can send them to both, but that's the one now when you're sending emails, send them to contact at rotoscopers.com. Contact at rotoscopers.com. So our first one is from Lauren. Hey, you guys. My name is Lauren, and I've been listening to your podcast for the past, like, five months, and it's been awesome. My favorite episodes are probably Aladdin, Bull and Mermaid, and Mary Poppins, and probably because Aladdin and Ariel are my, or Bull and Mermaid are my two favorite movies. And I totally agree with everything you said about Jasmine. She's just awesome. So thanks, and I hope you guys have a really good day. Bye. Thanks, Lauren, for the voicemail. I'm glad you like the show. I love hearing when new people discover the show. So you've been listening for five months. That's pretty awesome. That was a little bit before the big Frozen debut. So mm-hmm. awesome stuff. <laughs> um, I love Lilo and Stitch. We haven't really talked about it um, too much on the show. On the YouTube channel, Chelsea and I reviewed Lilo and Stitch, and then it was accompanied with um, one of its lovely sequels. 
Um, yeah, I just, Lilo and Stitch is just fun to watch, and it's very visually pretty. I love the watercolor backgrounds that are very reminiscent of Snow White and some of the earlier Disney films. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's one that we'll have to put on the docket. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm all for reviewing Lilo and Stitch. All right. Hi, Rotoscopers. This is Michael in Chicago, and I thought I'd weigh in on your uh, voicemail for Spirit Stallion and the Cimarron. When I first heard it came out way back in uh, 2001 and I saw the first previews, I was very excited because DreamWorks SKG had wowed me with Prince of Egypt, and I thought, wow, you know, this is this is their Bambi. This is them being able to take something and make it make it very interesting regarding the animation aspect of no vocals. And, but I was a little off-put by the fact that in the end, they had Matt Damon do several voiceovers for Spirit, and even the Brian Adams songs, even though I kind of am a big fan of Brian Adams, it felt really out of place. And overall, when I, when I watch the film, I see so many great little character moments that are just really wonderful. James Baxter did a wonderful job with Spirit. Even, even though they gave, made a horse with eyebrows, they still made a very expressive character. And I felt if they had just pulled back a bit and not given in, it could have really been a great film. But as it is, to me, it's it's more of a B-minus to a B-average film. And But still, it's it's one of those DreamWorks films that I still think holds up pretty well, even after all these years. It, it's passable, but when I think of Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, there's so many times when I think you, you could have gotten so much further DreamWorks. But uh, anyway, that's my two cents, and uh, thanks for letting me weigh in. Let's see. What do we start with, Jerry? Sure. Why don't you go for it? I did all the Twitter stuff. Okay. So our first email is from Jerry. It says, Dear Rotoscopers, first of all, I've been listening since the Goofy Movie episode. Ooh, happy one year to the Rotoscoper listener. <laughs> and while you can get a little quite happy at times, I really like the show. I'm happy that you have decided to do one of my favorite movies, Spirit. I have great memories of watching this movie with my grandma. I can always count on her to say, horses don't lap, they suck, every time when baby baby spirit is drinking from the pond. One of the things I like most about this movie is that the horses don't talk, but you can still completely understand what they are thinking through body lace through body language, facial expressions, and the beautiful score. The songs serve the mood just perfectly and help bring out the emotion of the film. Thanks for taking the time to do an incredibly underappreciated film. Keep up the good work. Yours truly, Jerry. Body language. <laughs> we've, been yeah. little, we've been doing a lot of these underappreciated films recently. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I like it. You know, it'll have to do with horses. Um, here we go. Name, Huey Cox. Um, they say, hello, rotoscopers. I thought I'd suggest some films from the infamous rotoscoper Ralph Box- uh, Bakshi. Oh, yes. Some of his films are a little racy, but interesting. Thank you for your time. Love the show. So he, he lists a few of, of, uh, of these Bakshi movies that are very heavy on rotoscoping. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, which um, I need to correct. We were talking about The Lord of the Rings being done by Rankin Bass in the last episode. That was actually Chess the Hobbit and the Return of the King. So, like, Lord of the Rings, you know, animated movie from, like, the 60s or 80s or so, um, that was the first two books. So this is, yeah, Ralph Boschke. So anyway, Lord of the Rings, Fire and Ice, which I saw a long time ago and actually liked it. Um, Wizards haven't seen Fritz the Cat, the first X-rated cartoon. <laughs> let's write, Let's do that one, Morgan. Um <laughs> And Cool World, which I've never heard about, but I've heard about all all the other ones. So, yeah, heavy rotoscoping. 
I, I'd be down to do a Bakshi film. We haven't done one at all. I think it's about time. I will say we're going to stay away from the X-rated and the R-rated. <laughs> we're clean Lord podcast. Of the rings. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah. How about after our horse segment, our horse, uh, what's the word? After our horse series, let's do Lord of the Rings. Why not? Okay. Okay. I like Lord of the Rings a lot. And plus, we haven't been able to talk about Bakshi, and he's, he's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. All right, our next one is from Todd. She says, hey, guys, love the podcast. I'm in medical school, and you guys have made my sometimes arduous commutes on two rotations in class so enjoyable that I look forward to the time spent driving now. So when I saw your guys were reviewing the Tinkerbell movie, I gotta say I was super psyched. My girlfriend makes fun of me relentlessly for enjoying them, but I watched the first one sort of by accident after waking up from a nap and finding it on TV, and I was pretty shocked at how enjoyable it was. I've since watched the rest on Netflix. I have been pleased with the series thus far. So glad you guys had a positive things to say about it, too. Keep up the awesome work. P.S. I think it's funny that Mason does get so much love from the girl listeners. So here's my shout-out to Morgan and Chelsea for all they do for the rotoscopers because they make me laugh a lot, too. Cheers, Todge. <laughs> love from the girl listeners. Oh, yeah, we always get emails where it's like, I love Mason. He's so funny. Come oh, on, you, you know it's true. Well, I do. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm funny. All right, all right, all right, all right. Thanks, Taj. That's awesome. So, actually, we just put up a review of the new Tinkerbell movie, The Pirate mm. Fairy. Um, we had a listener who, apparently it's out already in the UK, and so she wrote a review. It's a beautiful... Is that the, is that the one with Tom Hiddleston in it? Yes. Oh, brother. Yeah, so her review is wonderful. So, I'll include the link to that review in the show notes so you can check it out and get a little sneak peek. And then, obviously, when that comes out on DVD, Blu-ray, we will review that as well. <laughs> All right. Go Tinkerbell. Oh, brother. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, we've got a, a a jumbo email from Courtney. She says, I loved your review of the re-cobbled version of The Thief and the Cobbler. Ah, yes. One of our finest episodes. Preferably your views on Richard Williams. I graduated from SCAD as a graphic designer, but as a big fan of animation, I attended the animation clubs quite regularly. When they showcased The Thief and the Cobbler one night, I was floored by the technical skills that Williams is so well known, known for. The way the intricate animation and the characters interweave with the backgrounds is absolutely breath- breathtaking. Well said. I agree. It reminded me of an older film of, of his, Raggedy Ann and Andy, a musical adventure, based on a series of Raggedy Ann and Andy books and an old-school Disney Channel staple in the early 90s. Uh, it's infamous for its massively trippy and deranged animation and story. <laughs> wow, I need to see this. I don't know how many people remember this movie since it never uh, made it onto DVD and had a very limited release in VHS. For years, I had no idea Williams worked on it, but after seeing The Thief in the Collar, it practically screams it. It has the same incredibly detailed interwoven animation, almost to the point of being ridiculously over-the-top with its visuals. Wow. I'm very interested in this That's now. Williams. Some of the scenes are so loaded with detail, it will make your jaw drop from just taking it all in. It also had some disturbing imagery that had to be edited out for TV airplay, since, after all, it's supposed to be a kid's film. Isn't that always the way with Raggedy Ann? <laughs> Most people... Anybody who saw The Conjuring and, and actually read up on what happened with that film uh, knows how evil Raggedy Ann is. Um, most people remember the scene where Raggedy Ann almost had her candy heart cut out with a pair of scissors. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. The story focuses on Raggedy Ann and Andy leaving the safety of the playroom in search for a missing French doll. Why bother? Uh, never mind. That was stolen by a pirate captain in a snow globe. 
Yes, you heard me right. On their journey, they miss a. Uh, on their journey, they meet a depressed blue camel toy, a lake of sentient taffy that keeps eating itself, and a diminutive king who inflates when he laughs. This is getting really disturbing. Also, this whole movie is a musical, which are surprise. Uh, the songs are surprisingly catchy, even if the story makes no, no sense. Um, it's no surprise it did not receive a good reception upon release to theaters, which critics complaining that it was too hard to follow and too weird but it was praised for the setting of the film and animation along with its massive voice talent. I recently found out that a stage musical adapted this movie twice, and strangely, this is something I would really love to see. If you ever get a chance to check it out, it's, entire, it's entirely on YouTube. Not sure if it's worthy of a review, but it sure I'm sure it would be entertaining if you did. Thank you for all your hard work. I love listening to you guys when I'm at work designing and coding like a mad woman at my desk. You guys always make my day. Thank you, Courtney. Um, wow, Raggedy Ann and Andy's musical adventure. Um, <laughs> I gotta see this now. You know, I had this idea. I always had this idea of doing a Google Hangout where we all watch the same movie at once. Like we all pl- press play at once, and yes. uh, we all give our commentary on the film, kind of like Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Totally. And uh, this would be kind of a, a cool, like Halloween episode where we could all be like. Ooh. Complimentary barf bags for when <laughs> Taffy is eating itself. We should start doing that. We should do monthly kind of Google Hangouts where we just sit and we all just record our commentary, have people yeah. join in and chat. That could be really fun. And then with Google Hangout, you can like bring in listeners, I think, and have them ask questions or talk about yeah, like, scenes. Yeah, like we can all hang, like we three can hang out uh, and then have some writers and then people. I think how I understand this is people can be get on chat. And ask questions, you know, and stuff. Like, I know YouTube personalities do them all the time. Yeah. Markiplier, my man. So, yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks for writing in. If you want to have your email read on the show, be sure to send us an email at contact at rotoscopers.com. So, thanks, guys, for listening on this Eminem episode. We all know you love them. (laughs) I'm the orange Eminem. Mason, I'm the green M. There is no yeah. There is a green M. There's a green M&M. one. Do you Sorry, remember when? Blind. Do you remember when there used to be the brown M M&M and M and the light brown M M&M? and M? Yeah. So there was the tan M M&M. and M. Yes. I thought there's still brown M and Ms. There's a brown M M&M, and M, but the tan one was done away with. So. Okay. Or do you remember the the uh, when the blue M and M came out with? Yes. Came out. And then there was you the giant. For it, right. There's yeah. There's the giant nationwide sweepstakes for finding the gray M and M. Ah. So, guys, thanks for listening to our episode and our review and analysis of Spirit, the Stallion of the Cimarron. I'm, I'm really glad we did that episode. It was a, a movie I hadn't seen in a long time. I always had very positive feelings of and I was glad I was able to watch it again and talk with Mason about it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, for, for show notes, uh, you can visit us at www.rotoscopers.com. Folks, this is the hub for animation news, reviews, opinion articles, fun articles, everything. Not to mention you can stream the podcast from there. Um, like I said, um, we're being used as references for Wikipedia articles. <laughs> and I think it's awesome. Um, you can also find us on Hypable and Animated Views. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, We're also available on Stitcher Radio. And if you love the show, please leave feedback and reviews on iTunes. It really helps uh, to get the word around uh, about about the show. We appreciate all the feedback that you give us. Mm -hmm. So, guys, until next time. We are the Rotoscopers.
Jane, Jane really loves me. When we were dating, I would come over to Shanna's house, and Jane would get so excited she would pee on the floor. Whoa. I'm sure I that know. happens to a lot of ladies when you were single, so. It's actually, yeah, it's actually an effect I have on on women, so. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Loss of incontinence. I put that on my resume. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Velvety voice and women often pee themselves when they see that. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, stallion. Uh, wait. Stallion. Spirit of the Cimarron. <laughs> um, anyway. You know, I almost want there to be some um, some Copeland in there. Some. 